I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to episode number 15 of Inside the Vault, a Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Ryan Smith. This podcast brought to you by the Keep Pounding Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at kppounding underscore FSSN. And this podcast is also powered by the Fans First Sports Network on Twitter at Fans First SN. And you can also rate and subscribe to the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash tobacco radio. Well, my guest today, he is the owner of the Tobacco Road Sports Radio uh, channel. He also is a co-host of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast with Sports Illustrated writer Skylar Cannon and the Carolina Panthers all-time leading rusher Jonathan Stewart and also the executive producer of the Key Pounding Podcast Network. He is Desmond Johnson. Desmond, how's it going? What's up, man? Doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to have you on. Finally, it's been a little bit uh, trying to get you on here, but you know we're both busy. But glad to finally get you on. Uh, talk about the Panthers during the bye week. Um, our 0-6 Panthers. Uh, today's episode not really about the record, more just about kind of overall themes and stories and rumors and different things that we've seen out there. So um, let's just start with your big picture. What is kind of your takeaway this season from the Panthers at the bye week? 0-6, as we know, um, just some overall thoughts and takeaways uh, thus far. Um, I'm not sure yet. I haven't really gathered that thought yet because while the Panthers are 0-6, the NFC South is horrible. Um, so it's not exactly like they're out of anything. <laughs> I know no. it feels like it, but – uh, I feel like Carolina's the one team out of the four in the NFC South that's been somewhat improving throughout the week. Yeah. I know it hasn't shown up in the win-loss column, but um, I'm very intrigued as to what the offense is going to start doing now with Thomas Brown uh, handling the play calling and Frank Wright basically being the CEO, which is probably what he should have been to begin with going in. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not at that point where I'm like just throwing away the season. It's only a third of the season that's been played. Right. Yeah. You know, and seven teams get into the playoffs. I'm not saying this is a playoff team by any means, but you got to take into account they have nine players on IR. They have five defensive starters on IR right now. Like there's there's a lot of stuff going on that caused this 0-6 start. Yeah. Four of the six games they played were on the road, and two of those four were at Miami at Detroit. <laughs> like everyone's calmed down. <laughs> you know, and you like, can add Seattle in that mix too. Very hard yeah, to play. At Seattle. I know Bryce didn't play in that one, but still a uh, hard place to play. That was the by far the toughest stretch of our schedule. And we and on the Believe in Panthers podcast, we we saw that when we were trying to make our predictions, and we were hoping we could just get out at three and three. We felt like it would set up for the rest of the season. Oh, and six, we didn't really have Skylar had one and five. He was the only one that was really real with all me and me and Stu. We just were like, 
We don't want to hear that. <laughs> we're going, we're going, going ten and seven for the season. I was hoping three and three, two and four uh, around the bye week, but uh, and if yeah. you look at the, if you look at the six games that we had, out of those six, three of them were games we probably should have won, and just something happened in the fourth quarter where that other team pulled away. Week one, right. week two, we uh, Seattle, like we we just that kind of occurred. Um, Miami, Detroit. No, those games are going to go the way they went, and we, we just can't score as much points as, <laughs> as they can. Right. We can't run as fast as Miami can. So, right, um, right. yeah, so I don't think all hope is lost, but the, the Panthers got a little lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of switch gears for just a second. Um, th- there's been a lot of chatter uh, uh, as the trade deadline is about 10 days away, October 31st, Halloween. We've seen guys uh, like Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin, Terrence Marshall Jr., and obviously Brian Burns' names come up here in the trade market. Um, best you can tell, um, do you think uh, we're sellers? Do you? Th- Some people still believe we're buyers. There's those um, – I know ESPN's Josina Henderson has the, some report out there about maybe still being interested in a receiver potentially. I- I've seen Hunter Renfro's name out there from the Raiders, someone who could be a cheaper option. Uh for us um talk about your rumors you're hearing from the trade deadline panthers players that we might uh be selling off or might be able to trade um what have you heard on that front um well the first name that was popping up in my mind and i've been mentioning it on twitter the past couple of weeks was jeremy chin and it's not because i don't like jeremy chin i actually really like jeremy chin but apparently uh Ijiro does not <laughs> he's only playing like 30 percent of the snaps for some reason I, we can't figure out even with the injuries he's still not getting on the field so right if that's the case Go ahead and trade him and get some, a third or whatever for him. But now with his quad injury, it devalues whatever you could have got for him. And um, I was thinking about this the other day, too. Think about all the lower leg injuries that the Panthers defense has had right now. or And offense, too. There's a lot of hamstrings, yeah. quads. Uh, JC out with the, with the the hamstring early. Yeah, uh, it's something, I don't know what's going on with that, but one or two is, you know, that's kind of fluky, but you've got six or seven guys that are injured or banged up on IR or, or missing games right now because of whatever's going on. I don't know if it's a practice. I don't know if it's the, the field conditions or I know we, we have turf and bank for America, but we only play there twice. So, I mean, I, I don't know something, some weird's going on with that, but, 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 uh, by any means imaginable, you have to keep Brian Burns. I keep seeing this logic online about we need to trade Brian Burns because all the fans are all fixated on we don't have a first-round pick. That's really all they're caring about right now. Oh, well, we don't even have a first-round pick, so we can't even tank right, like this kind of stuff. First of all, NFL players don't tank. It's impossible yeah. for an NFL team to tank. There's 53 players on that active roster, and for them to put tape out intentionally of them playing bad is bad for them and their career and their yep. families. So why would they play bad on purpose just to go draft one kid that's supposed to save them all when they yep. might even be there next year? Yeah. NFL players don't tank. It, that just doesn't happen. Anytime, I, anytime that comes up with Jonathan Stewart, he just gets frustrated because it's like, we don't even know how to tank. Like we're not, the game is not the same as the NBA. You can't They're not built that way. No. Yeah. So for those that are like, well, we might as well just blow up this season and start it all over, blah, blah, blah. You don't get top three, top five defensive end pass rushers uh-huh. every year in the draft. And yeah. we have one and Brian Burns and he's 25 and you want to trade him off for a first. So you can try to find another Brian Burns. What sense does that make? Pay him his money. You're going to have him in his prime the next five years. Once you sign him and build around him. <laughs> like why, why are we even considering trading him when right now the fan base is arguing with each other about why we traded Christian McCaffrey where half that fan base forgets 
they were in favor of it for two years, calling him injury prone, overpaid, yada, 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 too small to run between the tackles. He leaves here, goes to a better situation. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, upper management's horrible. They suck because they traded off our best player. You wanted him gone. And those yeah. are the same people that want Brian Burns gone. Don't listen to them. Keep yeah. your star players. So I'm all, I don't think they should. I think they're buyers. I don't think they're sellers. Okay. Well, we'll have to see. Uh, another name that I mentioned uh, just now was Terrence Marshall Jr. And I, I love that guy personally, but I even I will admit he probably could use a change of scenery based on just he hasn't been able to get on the field. And then when he has, he, he had that nine catch performance against the Vikings, I want to say, or yeah. maybe it was Seattle, one of those. And then he has nothing uh, the last few weeks in dropped passes in the last game against uh, Miami, I want to say. So you know, he's someone who has all the potential in the world. Second round pick. Uh, he was here, let's be honest, probably because of Joe Brady. But, you know, and he's obviously gone, long gone now. Right. But he's someone, I think, who has the tools to put it all together. But for whatever reason, just hasn't materialized on the field. Yeah, he literally is the one skill position player from 2019 LSU that hasn't blossomed in the NFL uh, off of that record-breaking offense. Um, he's another situation like Jeremy Chen where, okay, he's actually put in permission to seek a trade. That's different than us just shopping Correct. around and move stuff here and there. Yeah. I, I would actually go knock on Denver's door because they have a similar situation with Jerry Judy where if you can get an Alabama kid in here to play with Bryce, I know there's there's people that are commenting on uh, Jerry Judy off the field and antics. It's all Steve Smith's uh, video Smith's now. <laughs> yeah. What better way to, to get him situated than to bring him into the fold here and have Steve Smith with him to kind of keep him, you know, Get, get him right. Get him right. Because yeah. he's a top grade prospect. And uh, I just feel I'm sorry, my chihuahua is going crazy about something. Um, but I just feel like they could do something like Terrence Marshall, Terrence Marshall Jr. And a third to Detroit for Jerry Judy and a fifth. You mean, Den- you mean Denver, but yes. I know oh, Denver, yeah. Sorry, I said Detroit. Yeah, but to, to them. And that would satisfy both parties, I think. Because uh, I think Denver just wants to get rid of Jerry Judy at this point and would take whatever. They can get a second round former second round pick back the other way from LSU. I think they would jump on that. So I, I would look at something like that maybe. Uh, and then you'd have a receiving core of Thielen, Mingo, Judy. That looks a little ba- pa- better on paper than what they currently have. Yeah. And then Chark is obviously on a one year deal. He's probably not going to be back in Carolina next year. Just reading between oh. the lines. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll <laughs> see. Um, something that I've asked on every podcast, uh, but I'll ask you as well, um, depending on what you've seen on the, on the, on the Twitter streets, um, or X, if you prefer it, um, there's been uh, some Brian Burns, uh, you know, extension potentially uh, coming down the pike. Uh, I've not sourced this or anything. I just from reading from Twitter, it looks like something might be happening. Um, what do you think? Um, is the, do you still think uh, we don't see a Brian Burns extension this season? Do you think we franchise him after the season? Do we trade him? What do you think is um, the potential there with Burns? I'm sorry, guys. It's not going to happen this season. Uh, the stuff you're seeing on Twitter right now. One of them is my good friend Monty Fetty from the Four Man Rush that actually does embrace debate with me and uh, and. Cody. That's not who I'm talking about. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he, he. Oh my God! I woke up this morning to his tweet. He was like, uh, "Brian Burns is is set to sign a deal with blah 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 and yada yada yada." And I'm thinking it's from Money. So I'm like, "Oh wow, okay." And it was the first thing I saw. It popped up. Yeah. And yeah. I start poking around. I'm like, I don't see this anywhere else. I went back to the original tweet, and the very first comment is Monty going, "I'm just joking, y'all." And I'm like, yeah. oh, man, come on. So, like, there's another one that's floating out right now with one that's unverified that's basically saying that it'll put Burns around $30 million guaranteed a year and all this other stuff. Yeah. Brian Burns himself told us he's not negotiating during the season. So I'm more willing to believe Brian Burns than anybody yeah. else on Twitter right now. 
once the season started, Burns was like negotiations are off until the, the end of the season. Because at that point, the, the leverage goes back to him. Either yeah. the team's going to have to franchise tag him and pay him close to that $30 million per year that he was looking for anyway. Or they're going to have to bite the bullet and go and figure out what to pay him going forward. I don't even think you can use this year as a, a, a way to to lessen the value of Brian Burns because of everything going on around on the roster. Like, it's affecting his stats as well. If he has a healthy defense, Brian Burns isn't getting double teamed every play. Like, it, there's a different – if Shaq Thompson is out there beside him, he's not getting double teamed every play. Like, there's a yeah. different situation going on. Don't believe anything that, that you read. Unless it's Adam Schefter <laughs> basically saying that Brian Burns has just signed a deal with the Carolina Panthers. I do not believe that's going to get done in this uh, this this season. I believe Burns uh, reps have shut that down. So I would not expect him to get signed during the, the regular season. Well, I, for one, believe at, at the end of the day, um, if they did want to trade him, they missed their window last year with the whole two first round picks from the Rams with uh, Fitterer. And they, he said that wasn't going to happen. That we're not we want him around here. So yeah. So you why know, would they change now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's no it would, look, it would look desperate and uh, it would look uh, a lot of things. But uh, alas, um, who is someone you feel like has been a bright spot for the Panthers in this 0-6 start so far? I mean, it's easy to say Adam Thielen, and a lot of people are probably saying that. Um, and you look at he's kind of defied father time in a little bit. He's had a uh, – leads the lead in, uh, in a lot of categories and has really been Bryce's most dependable target when, at least in the preseason, it seemed like that role was going to go to DJ Shark, but it has not materialized that way. Um, I'm going to go with Shuba Hubbard, um, who should – when we come out of this bye, he should be running back number one. I know they paid Miles Sanders $25 million or whatever it was that he ended up getting. He's going to get his money. It's guaranteed, there's some guaranteed money. Get his money. So it doesn't matter if he plays or doesn't play. Like, that money is gone pretty much. So – how about we run the ball and let's let Chuba run it. Uh, he just runs with more purpose. He runs harder. He hits the hole. He's not hesitant to hit the hole. Um, and you can tell he's grown from his rookie year here. He's homegrown. We, we drafted him. Uh, yeah. So I would rather him start and let Miles be like the third down back, the guy that comes out the backfield to catch screens and check downs and things of that sort, which he was better than, uh, than Chuba anyway, which is why he's here. So we can still use Miles. Um, and I'll get a chance to ask Stu, this upcoming week what's it like to play in a dual running back system because if anybody in the world knows what it's like to play in a dual running back system is jonathan stewart so if there's something what they i want to ask them what do they need to do to make both backs happy with the touches they're getting because it's not necessarily carries uh it's more touches catches and uh carries so i think chuba needs to be the running back number one starting out their offensive line's starting to slowly get healthier uh austin corbett may be back uh here for this next game maybe the game after but from what i'm seeing he's getting closer um everything else has pretty much stayed the same on that line uh through the season and they've slowly started getting a little bit better i haven't heard the icky aquanu talk anymore like we were in the preseason about him just letting guys run by him and stuff to that nature um they are still banged up chandler zoala with the neck injury a couple weeks ago brady christian out for the year uh, but this bye week came, I thought it was too early when I first saw the schedule, but it came at the perfect time for the Panthers because they're so banged up that they needed these two weeks to kind of step back and just see what they have. Yeah. Well, I, for one, think once you get Corbett back on the O-line, that's going to create some continuity there. You're not going to have, but Bozeman's got a guy like Throckmorton who's got limited starter experience on one side and the other side, Zavala or Cade Mays and, you know, it's been kind of a rotating door with Bozeman having to do multiple roles and kind of keep those guys upright. And so, yeah, I think Corbett is going to be able to provide some continuity to the line. And uh, really, a, a guy that I really like personally, this is just an aside, is uh, 
is Cade Mays. I know he struggled a little bit in that first start, but last year he came in a lot as the sixth alignment on the jumbo RB RB packages. He has some experience as a second year player. He's someone I can see. I don't want to throw the name out there because, you know, it was kind of a good story that happened seven years ago, but an Andrew Norwell type who just comes in and gets some experience and then plugs himself into left guard because Christensen is not the long-term starter. If you talk to some people based on, he could be that swing guard eventually uh, Christensen could be because, you know, that's just a theory that I I have, but I I could be totally wrong. I I think, uh, I think Christian kind of cemented his spot at left uh, at left guard uh, over the end of last year and into the beginning of this year. I think uh, we were pretty comfortable keeping him there. Um, I know a lot of people were saying to put him at left tackle when Icky was having issues because he was the highest graded left tackle coming out of college uh, two years ago. But I was kind of fine with the line where it was right there. I was just kind of waiting on Corbett to get back. But um, Brock Morton's done well. You don't really hear his name called a lot during the game, which is what you want from an right. offensive lineman. If you're not hearing their names being called and they're doing their jobs. And the yeah. past two weeks, we've kind of gotten that. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, well, well, Christian doesn't matter anyway because, you know, he's out on hour for the rest of the season. Um, but I think the offensive line getting uh, Corbett back uh, beside Bozeman and Moten on that right side will allow them to start running some things in that direction for Bryce and the run game uh, like last year when they kind of got on a roll a little bit. I do think Thomas Brown being a former running back, he played for Georgia. I do think he's yeah. going to have more of a focus on the run game than what we've had uh, the first couple of starts. I think he'll he'll really try to compliment Chuba and Miles and you and uh, uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, LaVisca Blackshear. when he comes back sure. and, and Blackshear. Uh, so they've yeah. got some dudes that can do different things. And I think we'll see a little bit more of the running game, maybe a little bit more zone blocking like the Rams do. Um, now that Thomas Brown's going to be calling some of these plays. And we did see it in the uh, Detroit game and a little bit in the Miami game with, or sorry, not the Miami game, in the Detroit game with Miles Sanders kind of doing some of the stuff he did in Philly at times. And, and I've been saying that's the stuff that Sanders is good at. He's not a north and south runner. They need to get him into the uh, those swing passes, those screens, and that's the stuff that he did in Philly. I know Philly has a really good O-line, but that's the stuff that he did that worked to success uh, for him. So that's just a, an aside there for uh, with, with Sanders. Yeah, that and I mean, a lot of it too, people have to kind of, I, I would, I, I really wouldn't, I would really try to not compare the first six weeks to the next six weeks in terms of what they do offensively, because it, it's the, still the same playbook. Uh, oh. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thomas Brown helped write this playbook with Frank Wright. So it's not like they're getting a brand new playbook and they're learning new plays. It's just going to be a new guy conducting the orchestra. But the right. different tendencies, different. Yeah. yeah exactly. So, and so we'll kind of see. I think Thomas Brown will be more aggressive. Um, I think he'll take a little bit more chances downfield with Bryce. And I think we'll see some more pre stat motion than what was we haven't really seen any uh, with Frank. Frank's offense kind of looks older. Um, like there's not a lot of pre snap movement. Uh, unless somebody's shifting just once, so Bryce knows if it's man-to-man or zone. But there's not a lot to disguise what they're doing, which they can easily do. They, I don't have a problem with the plays they're running. It was the the method in which they were running them was the problem I had the issue with, the clock management, things like that. 
what yep. they're actually running is fine. Like that, all that's fine. And we've seen it last week. We saw it. They went right down the field twice, 60 something yard drive, 70 something yard drive scored. Looked easy. I think that's the stuff that they need to continue to work on and just getting healthier, just getting those defensive guys back uh, would be huge to get a JC horn back to get um, Xavier bell or Xavier wood or uh, Vaughn bell. Like our entire safety room has been obliterated. Uh, Jeremy Chen is out. Like, I mean, we just don't have the same dudes. We're playing with second and third string guys. So, I mean, it's really hard to sit here and say, well, Carolina can do this and do that when they don't have the bodies they showed up to the party with, like they're, they're leaving with someone else. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they can do until they get those pieces back. Well, like you said, with Thomas Brown calling the plays, um, going to the coaching staff specifically here, you know, I, I think with Reich being a CEO like role as a coach now will benefit him. I think because he doesn't have as much on his plate with Thomas Brown calling the plays, the things you mentioned, the clock management, the struggle to make some adjustments in game, um, little things like that. The offense, like you said, lacked consistency, lacked productivity. So I think with a lot of that now switching Thomas Brown, I really do think you're going to see that clock stuff. The um, adjustments are going to start to favor the Panthers going forward because Reich's not going to have as much on his plate. He's going to be able to focus on every single aspect of the team and kind of be that CEO from afar, but still kind of be the head coach in a way. So I think that's something that uh, could really benefit the Panthers, like you said, in the, in these uh, weeks coming out of the box. And we did see that in the Miami game. They were coming out of the huddle way right. faster than they had been. Bryce was getting 15, 20 seconds instead of five or seven seconds to get everything set up, which is a huge difference. Um, and they said earlier in the year they were trying to simplify things. Maybe they were just doing too much, too much word salad uh, for Bryce to get out because you're having to hear it through your headset, be it relayed to you. If that's coming in late, now you got to relay it to the, the, the huddle. Then you have to get out, and then you have to look at what the defense is doing, figure out if you're even in the right set. So nine times out of ten, you're calling kill, kill, because you you don't even know <laughs> if this is going to work. So you're automatically going to your audible as soon as you walk up to the line. That wasn't sustainable. They've kind of gotten out of that and are starting to – the offense is starting to round into shape. So just Panther fans, just keep in mind – Last year, at this point, we were one and five, if I'm not mistaken. We didn't yeah, start yeah. off zero oh, and six or whatever. We 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 lost five straight or something like that with Matt Rule, and then correct, yeah. uh, uh, and then Wilkes took over, and we lost his first game. So I mean, we're not far off from where we were last year, and we ended up still ha- having a playoff run, or not playoff run, but trying to get into the playoffs by the, end of the season. So just yeah. calm down. The, the the lower part of the schedule is here. Uh, there's a lot of injuries on all these teams that we're about to play. None of these games are unwinnable uh, that we're about to, to go into. So just everybody calm down. We're, we're, we'll be all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so from a standpoint of the coaching staff, kind of a wide berth, I've heard a lot of different theories, as I'm sure you have. Um, you know, were the Panthers' expectations – misled were we misled from the general manager scott fitterer were we misled from the coaching staff saying this team was a quarterback away as fitterer like to say um do you feel like uh that the the average fan had unrealistic expectations because the over you could say the o-line achieved overachieved a little bit last year you could say the off you know but when we're bringing in a rookie quarterback both new coordinators a new head coach a lot of new um, pieces on the receiving core. Two of your starting O-linemen are out with injuries to start the season. Um, there's a lot of newness there. And I think a lot of people might have 
overplayed their hand in thinking we were going to be a little bit better than we than we were. Now, don't get me wrong; we both neither of us expected zero and six, but I don't think. I don't think people. I think thought people thought we were ready to. With Bryce Young, he had that intelligence, the moxie, the poise, and he could just come in as a rookie quarterback and just let's go. But rookie quarterbacks do struggle uh, historically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there aren't rookie quarterbacks that win in the NFL. Um, I can't think of one that won year one, like fresh off the boat. Um, Andrew Luck might have been that exception, maybe. Uh, you know what? I, I have to go look, but I don't remember I, what his record was. I think was. it was twelve and five or something, if I remember right. But but like uh, everybody else, from Troy Aikman to you name them. I mean, Troy Aikman went one one and eleven or whatever his rookie year. Peyton Manning went like one and fifteen or something, two and fourteen or something like that, with a billion interceptions. Like it, it just, Trevor Lawrence had a horrible rookie season. Um, eleven and five in a playoff berth for Andrew Luck. Eleven and five in a playoff berth, but he he basically got parachuted into a team that literally only needed a quarterback because they had just lost Peyton Manning. Like that that yep. team was a perennial contender every year for a decade, and then lost Peyton and got Andrew like in the same. Off season, so that's a little bit of a different. That's and, and that's not normal, Panther fans. No, that's most not normal, people, right? Yeah, that's not normal. Um, you're seeing with the Packers now. That's not. That's not normal. Right? Yeah, exactly. That is not normal. That's normally not what happens. Um, so, um, I, I think I, maybe I was a little. Well, see, for me, it, it's hard because we had Skyler with us, and he was in training camp. So when we're doing these podcasts uh, each week, he's giving us a report of what he's seeing, like at the training camp. And he was like, it's rare for the ball to hit the ground when Bryce throws it. He's super accurate, looks really good, looked great against the Jets in the scrimmage. Like, we were getting all this good stuff, but we never got any bad stuff. Right. And I think a lot of this, I, I do think that the Panthers front office felt like they were a quarterback away. Now, do they, they, I do think they thought they could go for the playoff berth this year in the division because of the way the division was and what they added to what they already kept. So, the logic was there. Like I, I don't, I don't frown on the logic. I do frown on fans that are trying to hold it against the the, the front office that what they thought was going to happen is not going to happen because they couldn't control the the whole thing. They just felt like they were in a good spot, and then really the injuries happened. These injuries are really more a reason why we're zero and six than anything else. The play calling yeah. or any of that stuff, and the schedule. Like the schedule, who we've played, where we've played at, and the injuries have more to do with us going 0-6 than anything Frank Wright has called on Sunday afternoons in the playbook um, or anything Bryce Young has done in terms of being a rookie and having to make decisions in split seconds or whatnot. So while I think they were I think they were rotting off the wave of the end of last year, knowing that a lot of those that talent was going to be retained, yep. knowing they moved up to number one so they could pick a quarterback, which had been the bane of this franchise's existence for the past four years and the reason why we couldn't do anything because we could never get our quarterback right i think they felt like they had it together yeah. now they could still be proven right Look, again the season's not over we've no. still got two-thirds of the season left so i mean they still <laughs> could be proven right and we're sitting there going ah oh, you told us this and you sold us this this bill and it's not good i don't think anyone's gonna say 11 and 6 if we went out but <laughs> now, that i'm not cool. gonna say it uh, I- i'm sure there might be some really <laughs> optimistic fan out there that might be thinking that but um, you know, that's why they play the games, as they say, any given Sunday. So, um, well, as we said at the top, Desmond Johnson, been my guest today, uh, believe in Panthers, Carolina Panthers podcast, uh, co-host, um, always good to chop it up with Desmond. Desmond, we'll get some more, uh, a few more questions. We'll get you out of here. Um, the other theory, here's another theory I have, and, and I, I'm dangerous with my theories. Do you think, and this is no sourcing, there's no confirmation. This is me just spitballing this out of my butt do you think 
if we see a difference between if Thomas Brown comes in, he starts calling the plays, we start rattling off some W's mostly, um, and it just looks like a whole new operation. We know David Tepper, and we've seen Frank Wright's comments uh, last few weeks about uh, Tepper. Does Tepper come in and say, well, this Thomas Brown guy's looking pretty good. I don't want to lose him as a head coach, you know, next year or the week or the year after. And Frank realizes this and he kind of takes a back seat and he maybe switches into a advisory role on the team, something along those lines. And they make Thomas Brown the head coach. And then you've got your next offensive play caller with being the head coach. What, what is your question? Do I think that's, that can happen? Could that happen if enough things go right in the second half of the season and it just looks like it's a whole new team and it's like it just it works with Bryce and Thomas Brown calling the plays and the team just looks like a night and day difference from what we've seen? No, absolutely not. Um, I, I don't buy that uh, that storyline because um, for starters, the next three games, I kind of expect the Panthers to either be super close or win anyway because of who they're playing. They're playing Chicago. Justin Fields is out with a dislocated thumb. They're playing Indy. Anthony Richardson's out on IR for the rest of the year. And they're playing Houston. So it'll be uh, – and I think that's the one we have when we come back. It's going to be number it, one. It is at home against C.J. Stroud, who is looking pretty good. But, again, so, still is a rookie. I I expect them to start winning some games. They're not going to go 0-17. Uh, and, like again, the first part of the schedule was brutal. And, you know, at Atlanta, New Orleans on Monday Night Football, at Detroit, at Seattle – at Miami, like I mean, it's just it's just hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Detroit and Miami might be in the Super Bowl this year. You know, like legit could be the Super Bowl. So, and we had to go play them at their homes. So, I mean, no, I don't think I, this was never going to be a one and one and done type deal for Frank Wright. This was going to take a couple of years for them to get it going where they wanted it to go. It was going to yeah. take more than one draft class, more than one free agency class. They have a bunch of money and uh, a lot of cap coming up. Yeah, yeah. So they've got some room to do some things. I think what's going to happen is that Frank is going to move more into a head coach role instead of the offensive play caller. And he's always been the play caller, no matter where he's been Philly as the OC or Indy as the head coach, he was still calling the plays. And I honestly think that this is a learning lesson for Frank, because that's kind of how Indy got away from him to a certain extent, because he was still calling the plays and not paying attention to everything else going on around the team. You've you've Um, seen some people say he kind of fired himself. But he's, still getting, but he's still getting paid. <laughs> he's still the head coach. <laughs> well, but, he, he's not here to call plays. That's that's right. why Thomas Brown was hired. Was eventually yeah. he was going to take those plays. And I think that even if the Panthers were six and zero right now, this was the bye week at week six was the perfect spot to bring in Thomas Brown to start calling the plays. And I'll do you one better. You talk about conspiracy theories. I've got one for you. What if Frank Wright hasn't been calling these plays? What if it's been Thomas Brown calling these plays since the beginning of the year? But they didn't want to get the scrutiny on Thomas Brown being a rookie play caller. So they just said Frank Wright was doing it. And I say that with this. How many times have you seen Frank Wright with a play sheet on the sideline calling in a play? Yeah, that's a good theory. You know Uh, what I mean? So Thomas Brown is in the box. So what if Thomas Brown has been calling these plays and he's been learning on the fly for the first six weeks and now they're ready to say he is the play caller? And Frank is not like, quote unquote, helping him from the sideline, which is probably distracting Frank Wright. So that's been my theory the past couple of days that Thomas Brown has already been calling the plays. And we as the public just weren't privy to the info until Frank decided to tell us 
he's going to be right. the play caller going forward because yeah. I can't remember any time when Frank Wright was calling a play on the sideline. Like, I don't yeah. remember anything with him holding a card or in a mic or something like that. I can't recall a situation where he's calling in a play. Yeah. So maybe he wasn't. Yeah. Well, uh, two more and we'll get you out of here. So um, let's do some predictions and uh, thoughts uh, as we head into uh, the Houston Texans at about a week's time um, after uh, tomorrow's week seven games. Um, what are some things you would like to see, uh, not just against the Texans, I'm just talking big picture here the rest of the season um, since we're not previewing a specific game. Um, give me three things you want to see out of the Panthers kind of into the rest of the season that's going to create some positive momentum and some good um, joy for this fan base who is very much seeking a win. <laughs> okay, so three things. Uh, real quick, uh, more a heavy dose of the run game. Your offensive yeah. line has shown that they are better when they are running the ball as opposed to having to pass protect because that's why you kept them. Uh, so let's lean into that. I know we don't have Deonta Foreman anymore, but Chuba Hubbard's going to have to get some Deonta juice and take that role over basically. Yeah. Um, so I, I need 20, 25 carries a game. The goal needs to be 100, 120 yards rushing every single game. Uh, and that'll affect time of possession where it'll push it towards our side, which is how we were winning games last year. We need to kind of get towards what we were doing last year, but with Bryce at quarterback, it opens up what we can do in the passing game. I like to see for number two, a second wide receiver emerge as a target for uh, Bryce besides Adam Thielen. Cause I don't know how sustainable that is. Adam Thielen's 33. 33. He's 33. Yeah. So I don't know if he can go another 11 games at this pace. Cause he's on pace to, to catch over a hundred catches for the season. Yeah. Um, and then the third one, things I'd like to see, I'd like to see our defense get back on the field. I'd like to see them get healthy. Um, I'd like to see J.C. Horn make it through the rest of the season without getting hurt again. Because um, if he gets yeah. hurt again, <laughs> now we really got to have this conversation about what do we do with J.C. Horn? Because yeah. Yeah. if he can't stay on the field, I don't care how good he might be, it's all might. Like, it, it doesn't help you in the NFL. And if we can get something for him, trading him off, I hate it because I feel like when he's on the field, he's a, he's a really good cornerback but he just can't stay on the field and it's through no fault of his own. It's just been bad luck and like muscle uh, injuries, not bone breaks or anything, but yeah. And he's got to be willing to see, he wants to be able to become back and show that he can play. Cause this may is the fifth year option. The Panthers are going to see if they, uh, that option, will they pick that up right now? I don't know if you can do that if you're a Carolina based on how he's played right oh, now. Uh, so that's why he yeah. wants to get up back on the field and show, Hey, I'm an elite corner. I am really good when I'm on the field and healthy. Let me show you. So, you know, we'll see what happens there uh, with JC Horn. Well, like I said, Desmond, you've been so kind uh, with your time. Good to have you on here on Inside the Vault. Um, last question for you. Let's get some predictions. I know you love to give those out. Uh, what is your best case scenario? You know, being realistic at the same time. What is your uh, record? Uh, for the rest of the season. And so what's your new revised record uh, for the Panthers when it's all said? And done? <laughs> oh. I'll even, I'll even, I'll even give you mine. I'll, I'll say they're gonna, they should play 500 ball. They'll probably, I think they'll go like five and six the rest of the way. So that put them at five and 12, five uh, and 12 yeah. at the end of the year, which considering what they went through the beginning of the year and new regime and everything, rookie quarterback, that's kind of on pace for where you want to be going into the next year. Now the next year, would be where you expect because that that's been rewritten with Joe Burrow yep. and others with year two. So then you can kind of get into that, but right now eh, maybe 500 or so five and six. So it'd be five and 12 at the end of the year. I'll say seven and 10. I'm a, I'm, I, I think there's a lot more winnable games down the stretch. Uh, you got Tennessee in there. You've got yeah, uh, green Bay. Who's not looked very good. Jacksonville's very inconsistent. Um, heck 
Dallas had that stinker against Arizona. I know it's Dallas, but so there's a, in the division, everybody again. So a lot of winnable games down the stretch. I'm going to say seven and 10. Um, Well, we'll see what happens, Desmond. Uh, Like I said, uh, this has been great to have you on. And as I said at the top, it has been Desmond Johnson, uh, believe in Carolina Panthers co-host and owner of Tobacco Road Sports Radio has been my guest today. And uh, Desmond, uh, anything else you'd like to plug uh, before we let you go? Oh, I'm on too much stuff already. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, franchise players is every Friday uh, at 5 p.m. on. Uh, you can catch it. All the stuff you can catch on the Tobacco Road YouTube channel. Actually, do me a favor. Go there and hit like. You can catch all of these episodes from the Keep Pounding Podcast Network. It has its own playlist there, as well as other uh, sports talk uh, shows, events. We're the home for North Carolina Anti Athletics. We're the home for Charlotte Hornets here in the Triad. So a lot of we get a lot of exclusives and things of that sort uh, from players and coaches and whatnot that you can't get from any place else. Go and subscribe. I think we're 20 people away from hitting 1,000 for our subscriber list there. Uh, it's TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com at – or excuse me, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com forward slash at – oh, wait, no, 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 I did it wrong again. YouTube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, you heard him and uh, – Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, And that will wrap up this edition of Inside the Vault, episode number 15 here at Carolina Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Smith. We will see you next time.